0: If you did not check out uh, the first part of this series that Pastor Daryl shared, I want to invite you to rewind, go back and take a listen to Prison Break um, in our trials series. It was a great kickoff as we take a look at the second part of the book of Acts. Um, I'm so um, you know, just getting so much out of my study as I'm looking at the different trials that Peter and Paul specifically went through as they were committed to sharing the gospel and getting the good news of what Jesus Christ had done for them um, out to the world. And uh, so we're going to be looking at a missionary exploit today that was um, that we find recorded in the book of Acts chapter 13 and 14. Um, you might want to turn in your Bibles there, and then we're going to be also referencing a few of the words of Jesus that he shared in the Gospels that would shed some light as to why would guys like um, Barnabas and Paul choose to go into areas where they, um, their lives would be at risk for the sake of this message. And um, Jesus himself called them and called us to this kind of passion for the sake of the Gospel. Um, I've titled the message today, Beatdown. And indeed, we're going to find a serious beatdown that's going to take place um, and took place in Paul's life. And um, I think that you're going to find um, it to be intriguing, maybe a little bit uh, scary to think that maybe God would lead us into moments of, um, you know, trepidation and concern and difficulty as we follow him. I want to just start by... um, way of just reading a portion of it, and then we'll get into our points here today. Let's start by reading in Acts 13, verses 14 and 15, when it says, But when they departed from Perga, Um, They came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Um, If you'll recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about Antioch being this place that a a church was established and built and was the first church to send out missionaries. Now, that was a different Antioch than what is just mentioned here. Um, The Antioch, um, Syrian Antioch, is where that church was. This is up in Asia Minor, and uh, this is where Paul goes and one of his earliest missionary um, 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 ventures here. So in Antioch and Pisida, and when they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, they sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, "Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So what they end up doing is they then take the next several verses and they preach the gospel. They preach it all the way from the beginnings of the Old Testament all the way through Jesus Christ and what he did and their faith in him. And so I want to re-pick up now in verse 42 after they've shared all of this information about what Jesus is and who he is and what he's done. And in verse 42 it says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue... After hearing this message, the Gentiles beg that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath day. Now, when the congregation had broke up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Okay, so we've got here. Paul and Barnabas have have shared. They've preached God's word. Um, They're in this new town. The Jewish uh, folks have heard him. Um, Now, church is let out. They've dispersed, and then there's some that say we want to learn more, especially the Gentiles. They had this hunger to learn more, and. they could sense here that the Gentiles had a hunger while the Jewish people were far more skeptical and not that interested here. Well, that's when the um, trials are going to begin here. And um, I want to you know, bring out this first observation and I'm going to use some fairly popular slogans here today um, as the message points. Um, because they really kind of speak to the mindset that Paul um, and Barnabas had here. And the first observation is that they had a getter done mindset. They had a getter done mindset. Of course, that phrase was made popular by Larry the Cable Guy. But my favorite uh, part of that is um, uh, Mater in the hit Disney show Cars. Um, and he would use get or done. But anyway, I'd like to take a look at this get or done mindset that Paul and Barnabas had. Um, And I think that God would have for you and I to have this get or done mindset when it comes to getting the gospel out to our community, to our friends, to our family. Um, In fact, I want to listen to the words that Jesus shared before we get back into Acts. and, And what these would be the words that would be maybe reverberating through the minds of Paul and Barnabas as they would go on a passionate journey, mission, endeavor for this gospel sake. Because um, Jesus said this in Matthew 24 verses 9 through 14, it says, and these are not very pleasant words, but it says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, and he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You see, these words here were the fuel for Paul and Barnabas, and they really could be and should be the fuel for you and me today, because this gospel will be preached to the ends of the world, and then the end will come. Let's now take a look at what Paul and Barnabas did with this mindset, this get or done mindset um, in their hearts. Verse 44, Acts 13, verse 44 says, On the next Sabbath, remember they wanted them to come and talk to him, on the next Sabbath almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they oppose the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth." Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, Uh, But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot there. These guys get up on this next Sunday. Of course, they've been invited to share. And there's this massive group of people that have come to hear. Gentiles and Jews alike, and these Jewish leaders are a bit jealous of this huge crowd um, that don't normally show up to their sermons. And so um, Paul and Barnabas are sharing the Word of God, and there is you know a mixed reaction. Well, these leaders end up driving them out of town. And here's the thing. Rejection is normal. Rejection is normal for those who get her done. Those who don't do anything, those who just walk through life in a laissez-faire kind of mindset doing nothing don't really have problems like this. But those who get her done, those who lead, those who push the envelope, those who operate with love, those who do extreme things for others have a tendency to deal with rejection. In fact, Luke 10, 16 says in Jesus talking, he who hears you hears me He who rejects you rejects me and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me, of course, referring to his father. So as we are rejected with the message of Christ and the love that we walk with, we need to realize that it's not us that's enduring the rejection, but rather it is Jesus himself who is being rejected. So they've got this mindset. Paul and Barnabas have this what's next mindset. They shake off the dust and they say, where do we go next? And they've got the uh, city of Iconium in their crosshairs. And so they head out and they've got this what's next. And I want to encourage you that when you deal with rejection, if you would develop a what's next mindset, a what's next attitude, what do you have next for me, God? And don't sit there in the rejection, but say something else God's got for me ahead of me. It will be the healthiest thing that you can do. But if you stay there and dwell on rejection, you will be yielded useless. You will be um, focused in on yourself. You will be focused in on your hurt. You will sit there like a wounded duck and there nothing is going to come out of it. But if you develop this, okay, I dealt with this rejection, I've been hurt, um, the people didn't like me. Remember, they rejected Jesus, not you. And so you move forward, what's next? Who's the next place to go? And I love here that it said in the, in the very end, it says, after they've been rejected and they're out of the area, it says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What? These people just went through rejection and here they are filled with joy. And here's the bottom line. The joy is resourced by the Holy Spirit, not by the circumstances. Our joy comes from the Holy Spirit, not from the circumstances. Nobody likes the feeling of rejection, at least most of us. But here's the deal. When we have got our our joy being supplied by the Holy Spirit, by His calling, by His endorsement on our lives, and not on the circumstances that we deal with from time to time... We're going to find that joy is possible in the middle of rejection and other circumstances like it. So these guys had a get-or-done mindset even while rejected. But let's hear, here's here's the next thing we're going to observe is that they knew when to hold them and knew when to fold them. Of course, a great reference to um, uh, Kenny Rogers' song, right? He's playing poker. Gotta know when to hold him, no one to fold him. And we find here that these, these disciples, these apostles, knew when to get out of town. Acts 14, let's read verses 1 through 7. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of the Greeks, believed. And the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Verse 4, But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. Sometimes wisdom says when to move on. You know what I mean. Sometimes you get this sense that you are spinning your wheels in the situation um, and maybe it's a bit too dangerous. Uh, maybe you sense that your words are landing flat or your presence is not uh, doing a whole lot of good here. And so it's time to move on. And sometimes wisdom says to move on. Now moving on does not mean that we change our message. It does not mean that we change our mission. It doesn't mean that we um, are done and we wipe our hands of God's mission on our lives, but rather it means we change our audience. Friends, you and I are on a great commission, and this is a lifelong mission. As long as we are on this earth, there are going to be people who need Christ. And so we simply, when this calling, when this understanding from the Holy Spirit, this nudge from the Holy Spirit says it's time to move on, we move on, but we still walk in mission. John 15 Jesus' words again, verses 18 through 21, says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. So when you move on, you're merely changing your audience and you are identifying with Christ in the middle of such a, a feeling to move on. Because sometimes you just move on. In fact, it happened to Jesus. Do you remember, oh, several months ago, we talked about Jesus being rejected in his hometown? Um, do you remember when he told his disciples that if they reject your word, just dust the feet off your clothes and move on? You see, as long as you do your part and you are walking in mission and you are being faithful and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, sometimes God's going to release you to move on to the next audience. And it's okay you got to know when to hold them. you got to know when to fold them. But then there's this last uh, little lingo as we continue on in Acts 14. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? That's a, a commercial from back in the day, um, Timex commercial. Um, why don't you take a look at this commercial? It's a, it's a goodie.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, a good evening to you. This is John Cameron Swayze, reporting to you live, very much alive, on this crisp autumn evening here in New York. And tonight, we're going to prove once more, with a live demonstration, that Timex waterproof watches are practically indestructible, really waterproof, and shock-resistant. Now let's have our live demonstration. Now here you can see, we've struck a Timex 100 to the propeller of this motor. Let's immerse that motor in the tank, okay? We're going to rev it up any time now. I'm sure you'll agree with me, ladies and gentlemen. If that Timex comes through this torture test, it can stand up to just about anything that may happen. Ah, that looks like it. Well, if that Timex comes through, as I said, it can stand up to anything that will happen in daily wear. Just look at that. Timex waterproof... Flash through the water to the tune of 4,500 revolutions a minute. I think that's enough. I'm sure that's enough for the folks, and the way I'm getting wet is enough for me. Pull it right out now, will you? Let's take a look. Yes, it's still ticking. Let me turn it around so you can get a look. It took the torture test. Still running perfectly. For only Timex, with its exclusive V-conic movement, can take such a licking and keep on ticking. Yet anyone can own or give its handsome Timex 100, for it is priced at
0: only $15. Can you imagine a commercial like that today? It's pretty funny, isn't it? Well, I want to read um, how Paul and Barnabas in this next city, in Lystra, end up taking quite a beating um, for the sake of the gospel, specifically Paul. It says here in verse 19, Then the Jews from Antioch of Pisidia and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is quite an amazing passage of scripture to me. Here we find Paul, you know, Paul's left Iconium because they came and drove him out. He moves on to the next town of Lystra, he's there speaking, and these guys from Iconium come back over and they persuade everyone against Paul and Barnabas to the point that they decide to stone him to death. Now we're talking about they took rocks of various sizes and pelted him outside of town until they believed him to be dead. That scene had to be one of the more ugly scenes um, that you can imagine. Paul laying there, left for what they believed to be dead. I'm not sure if he was knocked out. I have no idea how much blood was involved. I don't know how many broken bones or nose or what it could have been, but he was left believed to be dead. Now, that last verse that we said there in verse 22 flies in the face of what some Christians have come to believe. It flies in the face of prosperity gospel, which is popular among some today. And that is that we believe or some believe that we are just intended and we've got this inherent right as Christians to be wealthy and healthy. And when anything goes wrong, it's because we've done something wrong or someone has sinned around us. And that's just not the case because Jesus himself has said that we will have trouble in this world. And here we find that it says here in verse 22 that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. John 16, 33 um, says this, Jesus speaking, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have over come the world. So Paul is here in this beaten to death state. The disciples and other believers come around him. He comes to somehow, and he goes back into the same town that he just experienced the stoning. I I can hardly comprehend it. Most of us Me included would be heading the other way. Get me out of here. Paul goes back into town for one night before moving on to the next town to preach the gospel again, to keep on going. He had the spiritual gift of toughness. I don't know if he was supernaturally healed. I don't know if if uh, you know, his wounds were healed instantly, if his strength, if his muscles, if all this stuff came back. But I do know that he was tough and that he was willing to go back into town and keep doing the same thing, preaching the gospel that got him stoned to death in the first place. And you know what? This spiritual gift of toughness is available for every believer. This is not just for a select few, my friends. I believe that the Holy Spirit has got this innate empowerment... And he wants to fill us with a spirit of toughness. And how do I know that? Well, I take a look at a very popular passage of scripture that describes the fruits of the spirit, the fruits, the outflow, the outcome of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. And there's a list. There's a list of things that flow out of a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single one of these fruits of the Spirit, which I'm going to read in a moment, speak to toughness. They, because these things, these fruits of the Spirit don't happen unless there's adversity hitting a person. There's no need to talk about uh, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit that Galatians 5 talk about in verse 22 and 23. And those things come out of a person in the midst of adversity, especially a few of them. I take a look at long-suffering. A person doesn't get the fruit of long-suffering coming out of them unless they're suffering. Unless they're going through a bunch of difficulty. Um, self-control. Every single one of us face temptations that a lot of times we end up just giving into. But, but when you've got self-control, there's this toughness, this spiritual gift of toughness that would help you to say no. But even some of the other things such as peace. Or joy, those things coming in the midst of circumstances that would normally zap a person of any joy or peace, kindness, you only you only get credit for being kindness when someone else is spitting in your face. Then you get credited for being kind. Goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness means that you stick with it when you don't want to, when you don't feel like it, but you're faithful and you stick with it. This these are all evidences that when the Holy Spirit's working in a person's life, toughness emerges. Toughness emerges. Um, this week, I had this unfortunate situation, and some of the cell phones in our family's house ended up not working. Um, all of a sudden, I walk in the house, and a few people said, Dad, my phone's not working. Well, that means I had to get online, and I knew that this would be probably the case. I get on the line to talk to customer care for, I'm not joking you, I was on the phone for eight hours dealing with customer care to get the phones back working properly. Um, And I went through seven or eight different people that couldn't help me and they passed me on and they said, oh, we need to escalate this situation. We can't fix what's going on with your phones. You know, all kinds of excuses. I got to where I knew their system better than they did after all the explanation I got as to why they couldn't help me. Well, I get to the end of this multi-hour saga And I have talked to one guy and I've been so annoyed and I'm way beyond like yelling at people that I just decide to laugh at the situation and be extremely nice. And I get this guy from Guatemala on the phone. He's the last guy that I get sent to and I'm talking nicely. And to be honest with you, it was sarcastic niceness, but it still sounded like niceness. But inside, I'm just like totally laying it on thick. And um by the time I get done I've got a great relationship going with this guy from Guatemala. We are talking and he actually was just the most helpful one of everybody of course because he actually helped us get back the phones operating and everything. And he knew I was frustrated. I had to explained to him at the beginning I've been on the phone for 7 hours now, you know, whatever. And by the end of it we were complimenting each other as to how well we handled it. Boy, you got great English. Boy, you speak nicely. You're charismatic and boy you what do you do for a living? And I find out you know, what he does and he finds out that I'm a pastor and it ends up being a really nice ending to the whole thing. And um, But the fruit of the Spirit end up kind of coming out at the end in the situation where I just decided I'm going to be nice to this guy and we end up having this amazing conversation. But that didn't happen. as If he had been the first guy I talked to or the second guy or the third guy I talked to, he might have not got the fruit of the Spirit too much. But the long-suffering... That was involved with the whole situation ended up producing what ended up being a conversation that led to, um, you know, really a blessing between him and me. It was kind of an interesting thing. So I just want to um, encourage you today that you might be in a situation where one of these slogans as we've looked at Acts 13 and 14, really resonate with you, and you really need to apply one of them. Maybe you're in a moment where you recognize around you that, man, you've just got to get her done. You've got things around you. um, You've got people in your life that you've not yet told about Christ. You've got people that you're not praying for. You've got things around you that God's called you to and you're not doing it. And you just simply got to pick up this mantle and get her done and do as Paul and Barnabas did and get in your ship and you got to go and you got to go into city after city after city taking care of the things that God's called you to do. Um, maybe you are in a situation that you just holding on to and you got to know when to hold it and when to fold it. You've got to, you got to move on. You got to let go of a circumstance. Maybe it's an unforgiveness or you've just been so passionate about something and you realize that it's just time to like fold it up and move on. And I want to bless you to do that. If that's what God's telling you to do, but maybe you're in a situation where, you have been beat down or you're getting beat down. You feel like Paul that's getting rocks thrown at you and you are feeling totally beat down. And this message is a bit of a kick in the pants kind of a message, but I want to bless you to lean on the Holy Spirit, to lean on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to let the fruit of the Holy Spirit come out of you, because you don't get tough by somehow coming up with something out of yourself, but you get tough and you can deal with these things by trusting the Holy Spirit. He wants to come alongside you. He is the one that gave Paul what he needed to get himself up after being stoned to death and walk back into that same town. Did you notice there at the last part that not only did he go back in that town right then and then move on, but he came back into town. He came back to Lystra where he had got this beat down and he spent time there encouraging the church. And friends, I don't know where you're at, but if you need the Holy Spirit to give you a measure of toughness, that when you are getting kicked, when you are taking a beating, that you can keep on going. And I bless you to trust the Holy Spirit today. I want to um, pray. And I want for you, if you are in any of these situations, that you would lean on the Holy Spirit and lean in this prayer today. Father, Lord, this is a challenging message. Lord God, we're going to be looking at trials for the next several weeks. And Lord, I know that people that are watching this message are dealing with trials. Someone, somewhere, God, is feeling, Lord, like they have got um, the life being beat out of them. And I pray today that you would give them strength, that your Holy Spirit would bind them up and would encourage them and heal them and give them direction. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for passion. I pray for motivation. All that's needed, Lord, for them to follow you. And Lord God, we take some cues today from Paul and Barnabas. As they went on these missionary exploits serving you, they had a singular focus to serve God. And Lord God, I I know there's distractions in our lives. I know there's things, Lord, that have us focused on this and that and that thing. And Lord, as a result, our spiritual toughness is not there. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, for you to become the main objective and the main focus of our lives. And we put our heart to that. And I just thank you for it in Jesus name.